0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 106.
1: Oi! Don't be scared. All of this is new to you and new can be scary. When people need help, I never refuse. There's this moment but you're sure you're about to die, and then you're born. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Ta-da! Ooh. Should be
0: fine. Hi, I'm Don Bethanelli, and you're listening to the Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series Doctor Who. Today, we're discussing the New Year's special for season eleven, the conclusion to season eleven, called Resolution. Uh, joining me today is Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And uh, we don't have Father Corey today because, as you can Im- you can imagine, Christmas might be a bit of a busy time for priests uh, and for Catholics. It's still Christmas uh, all the way through Sunday, which will be uh, the Feast of Epiphany. And Actually, longer than that. You know, the Christmas season uh, goes yeah. all the way through uh, the end of January to Candlemas. But uh, Father Corey. Um, Was very busy over Christmas, of course, and then uh, took a much deserved vacation and he'd hoped to join us, but it just didn't work out. So uh, he'll be visiting
1: family, which is really cool.
0: Yes. And very important, Uh, much more important (laughs) than being on a podcast with us uh, as much as we miss him. But uh, he'll be back with us on our next episode, which is coming up next week. Um, And uh, that brings me to my next point, which is you're getting this on a Wednesday, uh, if I if everything goes well this afternoon and I edit everything together quickly and get it out the door, uh, you'll receive this or this is going out on a Wednesday. You might receive it Thursday morning or something before work. But uh, mm-hmm. our schedule is changing a little bit. You're used to getting uh, Secrets of Doctor Who on Mondays and Secrets of Star Trek, if you subscribe to that, which I hope you do on Wednesdays with the end of series 11 or season 11, depending on where you are, uh, of Doctor Who and the be- in- incipient beginning of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we're shifting things around. And so S- S- Secrets of Star Trek will be on Monday's release. And S- Secrets of Doctor Who, we're going to r- start releasing on Wednesdays. And then we'll do that until they change the schedules on us again and everything gets all messed up. But for the uh, the short term, which uh, leads me to say, if you are not yet subscribed to Secrets of Star Trek um, and you probably like Star Trek, if you like Doctor Who, not, it's not certain, but you probably do and you should definitely subscribe because we're having a blast with that and with a new season of star trek discovery coming along we're going to be talking about that and um you don't want to miss it uh this year we're going to be able to talk about it as each episode drops and and have just like we do with secrets of doctor who it's it's a lot of fun and then when the seasons of uh, star trek discovery is over we'll talk about the new picard series we'll talk about Lower Decks. is so much new Star Trek coming. Axanar. Axanar, right. We're going to talk about fan productions. We're going to, And, of course, we're talking about the 50 years of Star Trek that we already have. Uh, so please subscribe to that at uh, sqpn.com slash Star Trek. So all the preliminaries uh, passed. Uh, we now come to Resolution. And uh, yeah. so as we as we the, the, the show begins, we have. Just like the season began, the, the last episode begins with no opening credits, just mm-hmm. straight cold open, boom, right into the uh, episode and and no no Doctor Who logo until the closing credits.
1: Yeah. In <laughs> fact, you wouldn't know from what you see on screen that this thing is even called resolution because we don't get a title card up right. at the front of the show. This was, incidentally, this is the first New Year's special we've had for Doctor Who. Um, In recent years, Mm -hmm. we've had Christmas specials ever since the revival in
0: 2005. Yep. Except for 2010.
1: Yeah, but but there's been some up or down quality in those. We recently reviewed A Christmas Carol, which for my money is the very best of the Christmas specials. I really like that one, even though I'm not a fan of the source material, uh, Charles Dickens A Christmas Carol. But um, they they thought, OK, we're kind of tapped out on Christmas. We don't really have a lot of good Christmassy ideas from here at this point. So let's shift to New Year's Day. And I, I think that was reasonable. But uh, in, in hindsight, um, I think they didn't serve themselves well. By shifting to New Year's, because the overnight ratings for this were significantly down. Yeah. um, From recent from any of the of the Christmas specials they've done. Um, The lowest of the Christmas specials were all getting like more than seven million viewers. And this one got five point one five million viewers. And we still have to wait for the seven day, you know, delayed viewing figures to come in. But it looks like they uh, and and some of the other Christmas specials got like 11, 12 million. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like they they kind of didn't get the viewing figures that they were expecting. Uh, Doctor Who Christmas special was kind of a tradition. People were at home with their family watching TV on Christmas in a way. Maybe they aren't on New Year's. And I think this could have worked as a Christmas special. They the, the 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 there's even a moment. Uh, where you have a family that because of stuff happening in the plot is denied access to the internet and television. And, and it's like, what, we're going to have to have a conversation. And, yeah. and they talk about how everything is closed on New Year's and there's nothing to do. And I don't know if that's really true in England. It's not here. Um, The stores here in America are frequently open on New Year's, the restaurants and things like that. Um, but uh, but that totally would have worked on Christmas. So they could have right. just uh, changed a line of dialogue and it would have been a Christmas episode and they would have got all those extra viewers.
0: There was no real New Year's content. There was an opening um, little line from the doctor about how they had visited 20 New Year's Eve celebrations in a row. And we'll talk about you know the d- details yeah. of that. But but that could have been 20 Christmas Eve's in a row. You know what I mean? It just it, mm-hmm. it didn't have to be New Year's. There was nothing specifically New Year's yeah. about this episode. So why not just put it, on, you know, <laughs> release it on Christmas? I, I didn't yeah. understand that. I didn't yeah. like I, if there was a New Year's kind of uh, plot to mm-hmm. this, that might be worthwhile. But I didn't. I mean, even the yeah. name, yeah. I didn't understand the name. Why resolution? What about this
1: episode? says resolution what was resolved well the doctor has a line at one point about this is my resolution um, and Gosh. that's the only connection, but yeah. it, it's, it, it's like, okay, if you're out of Christmas ideas, it's not like you got a bunch of really, you know, slapdash, <laughs> you know, or New Year's ideas right. that you're springing on us. So it could have been any, any win. They would have had to change one other line of dialogue though. One of the, uh, New Year's that they mentioned visiting it's Yaz's favorite, mm-hmm. uh, discovering a dwarf planet with Giuseppe Piazzi in 1801. Um, well, Okay. they would have had to change that line of dialogue because right in real life, uh, father Giuseppe Piazzi, um, who was a a priest and a monk, um, did discover the dwarf planet series on January 1st, 1801, which is really cool to have that in there. Yeah. But they would have had to change that line of dialogue if they made this a Christmas special also.
0: Right. And just like being on the uh, Sydney bridge, Sydney Harbor bridge, um, in 2000, 2000. on the millennium um, et cetera. Yeah. There, but, but right. So, but there was, but there was no reason to make this a new year's thing. In fact, it wasn't really a new year's episode at all. I mean, it was a, just yeah. an episode. Yeah. So, yeah. um, all right. So the one thing I want to point out is, is there has been Dr. Who on new year's recently, mm-hmm. and that was in 2010. It was the mm-hmm. second part of the Christmas special, uh, end of time, which was the, uh, ten, the 10th doctor, David Tennant's regeneration, which we've talked about previously mm-hmm. um so a couple other notable aspects of the episode as a whole uh we assume you've watched it if you haven't watched it you should watch it before you get spoiled S- spoilers sweetie <laughs> it's exactly um the daleks are the uh, first um of the classic doctor enemies to return of even mm-hmm. of the old or new era the um moffat time moffat or um uh, uh davie's time or previously so they, they have returned. And as we had suspected, um, that there is this contractual obligation to put the Daleks once a season in Doctor Who with the, uh, you know, the estate of guy- Terry Nation, Terry Nation, which is a, it's a very interesting uh, concept, the, this idea that the Daleks are the, the, the these characters or creatures are separately copyright from the show. Um, it's just fascinating to me that that it, mm-hmm. this way it may be like if the. The Klingons were copyrighted by by somebody other than you know Gene Roddenberry's estate or something like that. It's very interesting. Anyway,
1: yeah, um, I, I want to and apropos of now that we mentioned this is a Dalek episode, I want to really give them props for yeah. what they did with it because they gave us something new. Yes, with Daleks, this we have not seen this before. Um, they've, they've got a Dalek that's out of its shell, that's mm-hmm. defending on its own or operating on its own, and that is still a credible threat. Yes. And we have not seen that before. They've done other things with individual Daleks, because the problem with these days with Daleks is you tend to either go big and you've got a bazillion Daleks posing some kind of universal threat. And that's been done to death. Right. Um, We've looked at the beginning of the Daleks. That's been done. We've looked at the Daleks in their own environment on Scarrow. That was the very first thing we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen mute, mutant versions of Daleks that either kind of sort of went good or that got crossbred with humanity. And it's like, what is there left to do? And I've been thinking in anticipation of this episode, what are the, you know, Chris Chibnall really likes doing new stuff that hasn't been done before what is there to do with the daleks and they found something they and did. so i really want to give them props for that this episode felt like a new scary dalek thing that we had not seen before and that's really great
0: right they are they are uh scary and dangerous apart from the armored shell and that's that makes it a very interesting you know it, unlike say the 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 uh first season of new who where we had the episode dalek where um we get to see the squid like creature inside at the very end, but it's it's it seems uh uninteresting. You know, mm-hmm. un- uninteresting. unthreatening is what the word I meant. Yeah. Uh, once the shell is open. But this one is scary. Um yeah. one other thing I want to just mention before we get into talking about the episode itself is that uh it was directed by Wayne Yip, uh which, you know, unless you yep. are a a, uh, <laughs> a you know Doctor Who aficionado. Uh, you might not recognize, but he is, uh directed many episodes uh, when Stephen Moffat was running the series, but hasn't been back. In fact, there have been no um, uh, returning directors, vet, returning directors, veteran directors uh, uh, in this season. They were all new. So it was interesting to see um, what the differences might be with a with a new director. So mm-hmm. or, or, I mean, a returning director. So that was interesting as well. So uh, let's get into talking about the episode itself. It opens with some narration. No, I didn't see the in the the credits. who was doing the narration was that um the actor who plays Ryan's dad and I'm going to mangle his name Daniel Adegboyega uh
1: I don't know. I, could, I to tell you the yeah. truth I I I I, I listen to the narration at the beginning but yeah. i didn't interpret it as being diegetic as coming from any character in the story so i wasn't yeah. really looking for that
0: well i didn't think it was either but it, the, the the i couldn't recognize and, and i didn't you know very often they start the the for some reason they start the christmas or now new year specials with narration it's it's a very common thing that
1: they do apparently mm-hmm. um And sometimes they do pull back and reveal who was narrating later. Like originally the end of time that was narrated by, uh, Timothy Dalton. Yeah. And we recognize Timothy Dalton's voice, but then we don't know he's until much later, he's also playing Rassilon.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, and then, um, there've been others where we've had, uh, opening narration, but, but so I, I just, I don't know. I kind of, it, it sounded like a little bit like him when I, when we finally see him. So I don't know, but, um. So we have this opening narration uh, where it talks about how um, many centuries ago, and we find out later it's about a thousand years ago. Um, a creature, twelve hundred,
1: the ninth century,
0: the ninth century, right? Uh, a creature we don't tell about attacks the earth, and three tribes of warring people unite to fight against it and are nearly wiped out um, and before they succeed in killing it. Where they cut, cut into three pieces, and the three surviving warriors decide to take it to the ends of the earth to separate it so that it would never come back or something um and and, and so we get this the, this image of uh these three warriors and uh, you know there's a uh a black man uh, a woman uh, a caucasian woman and a caucasian man and um the it was the let's see the black man he goes to uh, anuda atoll in the south pacific mhm um, the uh, the, woman the woman goes to, goes to Siberia, Siberia and the other guy that <laughs> doesn't get very far. He gets uh, cut down in Yorkshire, England uh, by am- uh, an ambush. But um, I, I'm, I'm looking at the implausibility of so much of this opening sequence.
1: Yeah. So it's not like they didn't. I mean, there were situations. Well, OK, so let's start with the big obvious implausibility. Ninth century, you know, Iron Age people defeating a Dalek. Yes. And now, OK, we've had inconsistent portrayals of how how defeatable the Daleks are over the course of the series. I mean, in the very in their very first appearance uh, back during the William Hartnell era, they spin them around and get them confused mm-hmm. and and take them out of their shell and stuff like that. They're not much of a threat. As late as the Seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy's era, we have Ace, de- his companion, defeating a Dalek with a baseball bat. Right. Um, so th- we've seen weak Daleks, but in the new series, they've portrayed them as so dangerous that, like in the episode you mentioned from 2005, Dalek, um, one Dalek can kill everyone on the planet in the 21st century. Right. And- um, and so it's just very implausible that people in the ninth century would be able to do this. That's the biggest implausibility here. Um, but then we have, you know, this unlikely trio of warriors who are, the, I guess, the chiefs of the people who defeated it. and um, And it's not impossible historically. I mean, there were people from uh, of African heritage who ended up in England early on. I mean, as early as Roman times, uh, there were uh, women who sometimes fought in battle in emergency situations. They typically, though, were not warrior chieftains, although there were exceptions like Boudicca of the Iceni tribe. That was not in the ninth century. That was, you know, like in the first century, Um, by the ninth century, you you didn't have Female warrior chieftains in England, so that's just very implausible. But the bigger problem here for me is that this just comes across as a as an as a flaw in the episode because the show has a, established for itself is in recent series, but especially in this series, uh, a kind of PC narrative, politically correct narrative that is distracting. And I and I I I don't like having to think in these terms. I just want to be able to enjoy the story. But when they keep throwing this material at us, um, that's implausible and that seems to be in the service of a politically correct narrative. It is just a distraction from the story. They've got this PC ongoing sequence of things, a PC narrative that the show I think needs to break with. They need to change it up. They need to get away from this. Um, and this particular trio of warriors just falls right into the standard modern PC trio where you have a white guy accompanied by a woman, either white or not white, and then a guy who is not white, might be Asian, might be black, but you've got this standard set of characters that are a trope that are deliberately racially and genderly mixed in order to say to the audience we're being inclusive we're being politically correct here and it's just a distraction from the story if it doesn't fit the historical era um which it doesn't in this case they
0: exactly match the companions Mm -hmm. you have a white guy a black guy and a woman yeah (laughs) as like you you, it's it and, and it's distracting in that it just doesn't it feels like you the you're it feels like tokenizing people and it and yeah. it, it's a little dehumanizing in a sense is these people were chosen not because the the story demands the the a certain
1: kind of a certain person or but, because it even makes sense in right. context of the story but because but we had the choice uh, to tick those boxes
0: yeah and it you're right i mean it is it is distracting because it doesn't need to be that way just pick the best actor for the for the the, the job and mm-hmm. and be done with it and whatever they whatever they look like just Put them on the screen And because they're not even that important. These these particular uh, characters—they they they you don't have lines. They they disappear rapidly in the story and move on. And it just feels, yeah, you're right. It does feel like we we just have this checkbox that we have to, you know, this checklist we have to go through when we're yeah. hiring people for the show.
1: And and unfortunately, the PC narrative continues a little further in the show. Um, when we meet the 21st century archaeologists, there's a man and a woman. And they're kind of awkwardly at the beginning of a relationship. And I actually think they handle this this discussion between the two of them, because it's New Year's Day. Apparently, they've kissed and the guy is trying to find out, was that kiss more (laughs) than just a friendly New Year's colleague kiss? Right. And 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 he kind of broaches that subject and it's awkward as it would be in real life and the the female archaeologist um indicates well didn't you think it was a little more kissy than a than just a new year's colleague kiss that was funny and it, yeah and it was great and i love that um i'm like cheering for these characters they're establishing a romantic relationship it's awesome and then as the story unfolds it turns out the guy is passive in the relationship and clueless. He's like bringing up, maybe we should go out for a drink now when they're in the middle of an emergency. And it's the woman who's in charge of the relationship and is the smart one. And that just falls into a different politically correct trope. Uh,
0: I would say that that one is, is a, for me, a little bit less of a politically correct trope, I, only because I would, I would agree nerdy yeah. guys. And he comes across as nerdy guy tend to be insecure in relationships And and tend to at at least at the beginning, I I think tend to the woman tends to have to be in the driver's seat in the determining things. Well, I mean, in in my experience with my wife, it was probably it was that way. So I I kind of identify with it. Also,
1: when he he's definitely got some some social skill issues with women. I mean, in the middle of an emergency, he's texting her still thinking about you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that, yeah that came across as a little needy <laughs>
1: yeah
0: um, although when she when he asked her to go for a drink she might have said yes were she not under the control of the dalek, of the dalek. That yeah so
1: that, that which it, we didn't know
0: yeah so it was more like the dalek was in control <laughs> it was in, of the relationship so that's a little one The the thing that actually got me about the beginning the implausibility was the idea that someone from the 11th century would be able to travel to this tiny island in the South Pacific? What do you know that there's a tiny island in the South
1: Pacific that I'm traveling to? How many how many years did that take? Right. For him to get there. And 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 it's not even like I mean, if you were going to say, okay, this is a guy who's come from Africa to fight the Dalek, the logical thing for him to do would be to go to a place he knows right to, to plant the Dalek body, not some undiscovered place where where you know he's not from and that nobody knows about in this century
0: well what about also the implausibility of hundreds of generations of the same family yeah staying to guard these sites day and night i mean because they didn't know that anything was happening this day they were but there were people there and who was the they who did this guy marry on this atoll (laughs) like this Mm -hmm. tiny deserted island it was yeah so i mean yeah a
1: little bit of suspension disbelief i get it it's just you know it's really yeah well the order they're not they they haven't set it up properly to i mean okay so like in egyptian mythology when osiris is killed by set mm-hmm. uh osiris cuts his body up into all these pieces and then isis reunites them all and reanimates him as the king of the dead right um but what on earth would these people have thought i mean even if you dismember your enemy and bury him in separate places that's usually a sign of shame Right. And and stuff and a way of ritually degrading him after his death. They haven't done anything to establish that this thing is is going to be put, somehow put back together, much less on its own initiative and needs to be guarded for 12 centuries.
0: Well, right. The the idea like for, for people like from the ninth century, you know, 10 feet buried 10 feet apart is as good as uh 10,000 miles. I mean, it, there's no there, there's no there's nothing been established that they have this idea that this thing could come back to life and reanimate yeah perhaps that did happen in this battle that where the when they they managed to cut it and it got itself back together again or didn't grew they need a to limb. show us that right exactly exactly and they didn't establish it and that's that's part of the problem all right so let's let us so the the, the implausibilities of the the of the beginning um uh, yeah. they, they, it gets uh, better. It gets better. Yes, that's that's what I was trying to mm-hmm. say. Um, it's interesting. So the the the, the I, I liked how they did the whole thing where the uh, one guy, he gets shot. He, he They leave him where he lays. And then they kind of show the him. They the kind of fade into him being a skeleton in an archaeological archaeological dig um, from where he had lain. And that, I thought that was a really cool effect that they did there to show that. Um, it made me wonder how long would it have to be for a body that had just been lay- left laying on the ground to end up like 30 feet underground now, you know, um, and, and what are the mechanics of how that happens? I know that does happen, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to actually, I have never read about how, how does the earth move like that?
1: It it, it depends on the local in, on the local weather, uh, because you've got to move dirt around and stuff like that, unless yeah. something falls on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, we have lots of these bodies at Pompeii and Herculaneum because all this volcanic ash fell on them immediately. Right. Um. For a uh, for something like this, I mean, typically, human bodies don't just get left where they fall unless it's an uninhabited area, and then they get scavenged. Right. You know, animals. the bones aren't all going to be in one place. It, it, for this to be plausible, something would have had to cover that body really quickly.
0: Right, right um so i i do like this um like you said i like this this little relationship that starts between lynn and um mitch mitch right um and the the thing that they the think it bugs me that there's always like lately in doctor who they always have this thing where something something very nice happens to very nice people and then something very sad happens to these very nice people <laughs> and i'm just i don't
1: like that now in this uh, that, you got to show the shire before you go to mordor you <laughs> have to know what's under threat I, but but at least in this case i was going to say uh,
0: the they it's not the, she's not killed you know what i mean it's a, mm-hmm. the 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 love that they were going to the you know that, that was blossoming has now it still has a chance she's not been uh killed by the dalek and that was that was the thing i was i was afraid of was going to happen um so there's that uh let's see fortunately
1: she was only tortured and possessed
0: yes fortunately for her uh (laughs) (laughs) so the um it's interesting so they put the piece of the dalek under an ultraviolet light which activates it uh that's the the de-zombification of the daleks happens with ultraviolet light and um the other custodians, the, the so the pieces of the dog at the other places start to get active. Teleport. They, right. They teleport together, which it seems like a non-technological teleportation or spatial shift, as the doctor calls it, which is something I don't think we've ever seen
1: before uh, from from uh, Not dog. that I'm thinking of. And, I mean, Nightcrawler does it, but...
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then... Um, the other custodians unbury the pieces, which I thought was interesting, like the, those pieces were yeah. not very far underground, for one thing. Um, in yeah. fact, the one in Siberia was just under some snow. I don't know what, what what's going on there. Um, so that was interesting. Then we cut to uh, the uh, the doctor and the campaigns, like we said, in the TARDIS they'd been visiting. They'd gone to 20 different New Year's Eve celebrations in a row. And we mentioned the ones that they went to, including the first one that Graham was his favorite was. um in Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, the first New Year's Eve celebration uh, uh, that they, they invented it, apparently. And uh, they were on their way to uh, one at the end of the universe where it's New Year's Day every day. So
1: mm-hmm. uh, apparently uh, planet with a one day orbit, I guess.
0: Yes. And uh, and then the doctor gets this message, this, you know, this uh, trip alarm about something going on back on Earth and they come back. Uh, it, and they show up in the in these sewers where the archaeological dig is going on. Meanwhile, poor Lynn. Is looking for the uh, the, the the bit of artifact that has disappeared, the Dalek that has uh, taken off. Uh, and she sees this giant squid thing on the wall.
1: And yeah, what does she that do? was cool.
0: What does she do? She goes up to it and touches it. <laughs> no, no. If I see some giant, like disgusting thing on a wall in a sewer. I'm not touching it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, well, OK, so she's an archaeologist, not a zoologist. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, I don't
0: think you have to be a zoologist to say, don't touch. Um, <laughs> so the poor girl, that uh, should call it girl, she's a woman, the the, the the young woman who's an archaeologist uh, gets Dalek. Um, so, so let's just. Ooh, know, we talked what about a verb, Dalek. Dalek, yes. Uh, I was actually waiting for the one where. It's like the, Zabu
1: from the guild.
0: <laughs> yeah, where the. uh. Uh, the stalk comes out of the forehead. I thought that's what right. they were going to do—that kind of possession, uh, mm-hmm. which is a—they're dead at that point, of course. Um,
1: right. They didn't do that, which I'm glad of. Um, there's, there's also another one from farther back in Dalek in Doctor Who history, where you had the very early on in William Hartnell's era, where you had these people called Dalek men, uh-huh. and they didn't have the thing out of the forehead, um, but they had like a headset. That they would wear that would put them under the control of the Daleks. Okay, and so we have seen Daleks possessing individual humans before, but not like this. This, this is was purely biological, and this is brand new, which is
0: kind of nice to see that uh, them doing something brand new with Daleks. Like we said, um, and it's 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 like controlling her like a puppet, um, mm-hmm. and getting and as time goes on, its control gets stronger, which is. We've seen this in other sci-fi before, but uh, this is new for for, for the uh, Daleks and Doctor Who, which is really kind of interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, and so she, you know, she takes off, goes back home. Meanwhile, the next big thing we that happens is.
1: Oh, not just yet. I mean, first, the, the TARDIS shows up. Right. And I love I love the line when the doctor comes barreling out of it uh, and Mitch is there and he says, how did you do that? Because it's just materialized in front of him. Right. And the doctor says, "I'm the doctor, and these are my best friends." And he's like, "Hi, okay." And he's like, <laughs> "I'm the doctor," is an acceptable explanation for how this thing can just materialize in front of him, <laughs> right? There was Which for us, the audience, it is, but not for him. It's very interesting that um,
0: in this episode there was no attempt to sort of hide the the the, uh, the TARDIS to 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 protect people from knowledge of it. It's just it, you know i need to be here this is too too dangerous and that's actually a big part of this as the doctor throughout this episode is much more uh, than at any other time in the season much more um scared worried motivated mm-hmm. angry um you know
1: because it's of course because yeah. of
0: daleks but we're not
1: dealing with a patang anymore
0: exactly and this is this is the doctor at her most uh the 13th doctor at her most um like Focused. the other doctors. Right, yeah, but most, I, I,
1: in that sense. And I really like that. Um it it I also like the the attitude that she displays towards the dalek once she realizes what's going on. After the revived series came back, um you know, uh, Christopher Eccleston's doctor, as soon as he realizes he's dealing with a dalek, he's like filled with rage and wants to kill it. Right. And and over the David Tennant and Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi era, we have a kind of backing off from that. I mean, they they still have the potential to, like, go into a rage, but it's not just raw nerves the way it is after in the immediate aftermath of the time war with Christopher Eccleston. And now that we get to Jodie Whittaker's doctor, she's much she's achieved much more balance. She does not immediately fly off the handle. Instead, her first reaction is every time I think I'm free of them, they come back.
0: Right. Yeah, it's interesting how the Doctor reacts to the Daleks differently than any of the other uh, classic villains. With Cybermen, the Doctor is kind of scared of the Daleks. They're I mean, sort of the Cybermen. I'm sorry, of the Cybermen because of the potential for, for harm. Same thing with he, he treats the um, Weeping Angels more like... Um, a, a dangerous natural phenomenon in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, but like we said, like you said, with Daleks, and, and, he, and the Master is also. I mean, is complicated. But with the Daleks, it's it's he. It's rage. It's anger. It's um, it, you know. It's i remembering every awful thing that they've ever done, and it's still present to me. Uh, so it's and and the, it's probably why it's the the best villain for the Doctor in that sense because it creates the most conflict in in action in an episode so uh i do like that um so they they move from the the sewer
1: to uh graham's house they're they're the biggest i actually i think the master is a more interesting villain than the daleks but the daleks are a threat and they just scream threat yeah in a in the plot in a way the master doesn't
0: okay okay um so at at uh, Graham's house
1: after they've crushed poor Graham's rocking chair. Oh well, before then, so okay. they 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 okay. send off the the doctor does something very sensible down in the sewers and says, "Okay, this Dalek is presumably scuttling around the sewers. This is not safe. Yaz will escort you to the surface," which makes sense given yep. that she is um, she's a policewoman, um, and she says, "Assume proximity is a risk." And I thought she said, "Tell the authorities." To quarantine this area, which and I, I tried to go back and wasn't and find that quote, and I wasn't able to. But I thought when that would be the logical thing to do if there's a Dalek here, yeah. quarantine the area. Um, and so I found it inexplicable. Then why Lynn and Mitch just walk off without? And once they get to the surface, they just oh well, I guess okay, we're going home for the day, and they split and go to their individual homes and don't tell anybody. That there's a dangerous creature and we need to quarantine this area. That is a yeah. That
0: was a bit interesting. I mean, we understand why Lynn would do it, but why right, would but... Mitch, who is not under the control of the Dalek, do it? That is yeah. true. That is true. Um, so the 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 thing that the big thing that happens and and it's something that's been building for this entire season. The breaking
1: of of Graham's chair, <laughs> the
0: breaking, yes, boy <laughs> Graham's rocking chair that has been neglected all season. But also uh, Ryan's dad shows up, and yeah. and uh, it's 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 a uh, it's an interesting situation. Um, Ryan obviously is is mad at him. He's, we knew, we knew that, but we see that Graham is angry at Aaron. That's his name, Aaron too. And uh, once I... again, I. Oh,
1: he, he he's clearly ticked at him. I mean, not not vocally berating him. I, yeah, I think he's definitely stern and unhappy with him. Yeah, I don't know. If angry is exactly how I describe it. But he's definitely. I mean, he tells him. Um, uh, where's the quote I've got? Because uh, he tells. I know he tells him you haven't done enough. Right. Uh, to, for Ryan.
0: And and later on, he's tries to, to to when they've been left behind by the Doctor and the others. Um, he tries to. Help Aaron, you know, by giving him the, his things that Grace had saved, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from from Aaron's childhood, and try to right. connect with them, and to help tries to help him connect with Ryan, which is all, which is all good. um mm-hmm. But I, I the the reason I was saying this is I, I think Graham here once again proves like how great this character is. I love my 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 revelation for this season is Graham. I just he's like the best, and mm-hmm. and he does such a good job here. Of, of relating to Aaron, helping Ryan. Um, there's at
1: one point. Um, I think Graham works in part for the same reason Donna Noble works because, right. like, you had Rose Tyler and and Martha Jones, and they worked, but they were the only companions, and they were young and got to be clueless. Whereas Donna Noble is more mature and is capable of having more mature reactions to things and move the plot and the personal relationships along. And that's what you see in Graham. Um, Here, the attention has to be divided among three companions, two of whom are young people. And so they're not as mature. But Graham is the one who has the maturity to be able to move the plot and the personal relationships along.
0: And frankly, I think Bradley Walsh is just a a great actor, Uh, In whereas the others are still young actors. Bradley Walsh has been at this so long, and he's he does a great job in this role. Um, so one of the things that that comes up is the doctor says to Yaz at some point that uh, dads are complicated. So I've heard, and
1: it and that was a very interesting line. Is yeah, is it a throwaway? It, it's a throwaway it's just meant to kind of tweak the audience to wonder "Ooh, did she even have a dad because she's an alien yeah. and actually there are some versions now we had this recent mention of of the doctor having what was it seven grandmothers yeah um but we also which can even happen on earth through remarriage and so forth right, <laughs> um, right. or or polyandry um but uh but there is actually in doctor who history and this was never done on screen it was a, a, but as part of what was known as the cartmel master plan back during the seventh doctor's time it was apparently going to be established that time lords are not procreated the way we are but they're like grown from genetic looms okay And so, um, so it could be an allusion to that uh, or any number of other things.
0: Okay. Okay. I mean, the, the idea that, I mean, they, they can regenerate between uh, sexes. So, you know, they, if you're the guy, you know, they were your granddad when you were, before you were born, but regenerated as a, you know, grandma or whatever. I mean, that's a possibility could also
1: explain the seven grandmas. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So um, so Aaron um, is surprised when Ryan calls Graham Gramps, uh, which we've seen, you know, Graham earned it by being there for Ryan this whole season Mm -hmm. where Aaron uh, wasn't. And and I I love that that interaction between the three of them, between uh, Graham and Aaron and Ryan as this sort of revelation occurs to Aaron. There's a really nice moment there.
1: Yeah, by the way, I found that line from Graham. What he tells Aaron is family isn't about DNA or a name. It's about what you do and you haven't done enough. Right. It's, uh, and actually, that's an oversimplification. Family kind of is about DNA, but it's also more than that. You can have adoptive relationships and so forth like Graham has. It's not an adoption per se, but it's a legal right. relationship between Graham
0: I've heard, yeah, uh, I've heard a phrase like you can be a biological father, but that doesn't necessarily make you a dad uh,
1: Mm -hmm. if you're not
0: there for them. That sort of thing. Um, It's a different way of saying that uh, something similar. Um, So we we then see uh, we it's revealed to us that the Dalek is controlling Lynn like a puppet, um, forcing Mm -hmm. her to uh, research the the Internet for, you know, the Earth's military weaknesses and the Black Archives because. TV trope number one, all information, including the most secret and classified information can be accessed <laughs> on the Internet over the Internet. That's like that's not a Doctor <laughs> Who problem. That's every TV show problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's always as, me a little as, nuts. as
1: far back as the X-Files when the Internet was a new thing.
0: Yes. Yeah. So
1: I've seen some older movies that oh, don't know. Uh, so, um, by, the, by the way, when we have the reveal about the Dalek controlling Lynn. Um, you know, they mention the word puppet, and they also, uh, when she asks the doll like what it is, it says, "I am your pilot," mm. and this is an allusion. They've they've changed the language a little bit, but this is an allusion to a famous uh, novel called *The Puppet Masters* uh, by ha- Robert Heinlein, um, which involves biological creatures that like hang on your back and control you. And they refer to themselves as the writer mm. of the human host. Interesting. And um, and so this this with puppet and pilot in here and the fact it's hanging on her back, it really call is a s seems like a callback to the puppet masters. Interesting.
0: It, it kind of the idea of pilot kind of uh, maybe remember um, wet Heather from last season, mm-hmm. um, who the the girl who got taken over by the water beast. Um, thing cre- thing Sp- spaceship, spaceship thing <laughs> um but uh it, but i i felt like it was effective as as you mentioned before effective body horror in this because you, you know as human beings we are uh conditioned to not like tentacled things and so here we have this tentacled thing
1: especially if they're poking the tentacles in and around you yes yes i mean there's a lot
0: of uh, a little bit of a uh allusion to alien in this and Maybe the the classic movie thing and some other other stuff like that, so the I got to say that the 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 Dalek, the reconnaissance Dalek uh is uh, is is effective I, I like yeah. i mean that, and that's, and, a, and, and that's and new, isn't it
1: yeah, the reconnaissance Dalek is new, and that's how they explain without saying it. that's how they explain why this Dalek can do things and looks a little different than any other Dalek we've seen before on the show. It's because it's not the same kind. Right, a Re-
0: recon scout Dalek is uh, what the doc- doctor calls it.
1: Um, by, by the way, I wanted to mention um, while so you know while Aaron and Ryan go off to the pub to kind of sort out their relationship, um, I think that's a nice move here. Not only because it's believable for those characters to do that, but it also gives Yaz a chance to play a larger role in the plot and to shine. Because all season, Yaz has been the one who's kind of like the third wheel as a companion. We've had one episode that really focused on her, and that's it. Otherwise, all the character uh, involvement with the companions, it centers on Graham and Ryan and their relationship. And Yaz is like a spare part. And so here, by taking Ryan out of the picture... Yaz gets to step up, and um, that was good for her character. Also, I thought this was the the first and most dramatic story in terms of the companions and what they got to do, mm-hmm. uh, more so than I think previous episodes. I, it felt like they were much more engaged in driving the plot forward than previously, right. at least for me, I th- more effectively so.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um so you mentioned Ryan and his dad going out to the the pub, or the cafe to 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 chat, and and it's kind of funny. Uh, Ryan's dad is takes the opportunity to try to sell uh, the owner of this pub on this new invention that his friend made, and and it was nice that it was. Um, he he acknowledges that it comes across as I'm trying to scam the guy, but I'm really not. And it it it's a, there's an interesting little character moment there where mm-hmm. w- w- Aaron is not a scam artist. He's not. They, they could have made it easy and and turned it like. He's the bad dad who runs away and is a scam artist criminal, but he's not. Um, he's just he he worked on oil rigs and then he he stopped doing that. And now he's doing something different. And he's had a hard time dealing with death and loss. And 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 that was that was interesting. Although I have to say with this oven, the microwave oven, the, that's not a microwave it, oven. That's also an oven. That's also an oven. <laughs> I, I, I like, assume meaning a thermal oven. Right. It's it was it was Chekhov's oven. As soon as I saw the thing, I'm like, OK, yeah. this is how they defeat the Dalek with this oven. Like, I mean, that that was just clear to me. Uh, n- no surprise there. Um, I did like Ryan's line that he says to his dad. There's a there's a lot of like character moments in this scene. They take a lot of a lot of time with this. He says, don't come back in demanding respect because that ain't where we are. And I thought that was really good because like, he kind of mm-hmm. sasses his dad a little bit. Deservedly so. And the dad cut sort of bristles for a second, and then he says, well, no, you can't just demand that I respect you because you're my dad because, you know, you haven't earned that respect yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was an interesting and, and, and effective character moment.
1: I, I like the discussion between Ryan and Aaron because they both make legitimate points, and I think this is where... Um, I think this is where Chris Chibnall does well in helping the viewer understand a situation from more than one point of view Mm -hmm. on the part of the characters, because, you know, Ryan is initially saying, you know, I don't care how it's been for you. And and Graham starts. I mean, Aaron starts with this. Well, when you're older, you see things. you know, you sometimes have to do things and it's, it's not it's not the ideal. And uh, and Ryan, which is true, you know, uh, as an adult, things don't always work out the way they should. And that's part of life. Um, But Ryan uh, then doesn't accept that and says, well, you run because you're too ashamed to make it right. And he tells him you hid. And he says, well, I'm not hiding anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that interplay of the two viewpoints, I think, is a nice thing that is Authentically human, and something I think Chris Chibnall can do well when he wants to. He does, yes.
0: I mean, that, that feels like a real relationship. I mean, it is not; it's not flat. It's, it's, it's. I mean, I, I felt you know, my life experience mir- you know, mirrors, but there's, there's some similarities. My dad and my parents divorced when I was younger, and mm. uh I felt like my dad wasn't there for a lot of my childhood, and and we've since reconciled a lot. But there's a lot of mm-hmm. this, like my dad wasn't a bad guy he was he he made mistakes you know and i could have done more and, and and you know but the point is is we're older now and we can be better now and that's you know that seems like th- what chibnall is trying to do here in this scene and i i, I
1: liked it uh, from mm-hmm. my perspective uh, and it and it didn't come across as flat yeah yeah by the way speaking of other things that are not flat Those giant carrot crystals in the TARDIS (laughs) control room, I don't know that they've shown them in exactly the way they did in this episode, but I found it really distracting and unpleasant that the tops of the giant crystal carrot (laughs) pillars bend up and down as as the central tardis console uh pillar goes up and down it's like that totally that effect totally did not work for
0: me it looked fake it looked it looked like a prop Uh, yeah that didn't work um yeah they need to get rid of that (laughs) um it was weird see uh that the dalek manages to disable the tardis somehow uh uh, which gives us increases the drama you know that's the doctor can't just appear next to lynn and take out the dalek they have to you know track her via cctv and other things and satellite and it's a, mm-hmm. it, there's all this tension she you know yeah, communication really nice car a chase sequence yes yep yep with the uh the police mm-hmm. um and you know a scary although when that uh, female police officer gets out of the car and sees lynn approaching her with the tentacles i was thinking mm-hmm. to myself right now and this is, i'm sorry this is gonna be a little bit of maybe a little political and Bring some, I'm like I bet she really wishes she had a gun right now.
1: <laughs> oh well. Don't we all? I'm sorry, um, but,
0: but that's you know that, that's yeah. that's I'm an American, that's my how I think.
1: Yeah. The <laughs> the uh I I thought the you know the car chase sequence and I'm not a fan of car chase sequences because typically in a, a, I saw too many of them in 1970s television <laughs> chips where they were they were used as a way of just Filling time so you know whenever you have a car chase nothing is going to advance the plot until the car chase is over right um but uh but this i thought worked well i thought it had an intense very modern feel to it i liked it um i thought the tentacles when she gets out of the car the tentacles coming out of her back are really creepy Mm. and then something that we they don't make a point of we just see it but When when uh, Lynn drives off in the police car, we see the two officers laying face down dead on the side of the road. And the female officer has her hands tied behind her back. It's like, what on earth happened here? Right. I mean, that is really creepy, scary, like murder crime scene stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, other. And. and that's the thing is, it's like sometimes you complain like they don't, they didn't sell, they didn't give us information, they didn't show. instead of instead of just assuming, but this sometimes it's more effective to.
1: cut. Yeah, this like, is less is more.
0: Yeah, where like you just you, it. Some things are left to the imagination. Like what happened? Uh, so that was yeah, that was effective. Um, Lynn drives off to this company MDZ that mm-hmm. they didn't really establish uh, this, but they apparently acqu- have acquired. The old, the, the pieces of the Recon Daleks shell that had been mm-hmm. uncovered in the archeological expedition,
1: including the weapons. And so she goes they're like a defense contractor.
0: Right. And they're trying to research the uh, how to, you know, re- harvest the technology. Um, they show her show up there. Um, she kills the guard, <laughs> this dopey guard who basically admits like, hey, if you really want to get in, kill me and use my dead hand to open up the door (laughs) um but uh tv trope number two all locks can be broken if you whack them hard enough Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that
1: happens um by the way we have the doctor tries at one point to call kate stewart of unit yes yeah and uh and we're told that (laughs) uh they're, they're they're currently suspended because there's an investigation involved over financial scandals and stuff <laughs> and it's like yes bureaucracy in action even in the hooniverse so
0: i, I love that like what was her um she was uh call center Polly uh at mm-hmm. the uk security helpline which i just i love that there's a helpline but mm-hmm. the her the way she she talks it's it's totally that call center uh person yeah. cadence and the way of talking and mm-hmm. kind of bored doesn't necessarily believe anything that you're saying and yeah, that was that bit was. I, I really like that. I, I
1: just am amazed that she has. I mean, it's it's part of the joke, but that she even has access to information about Unit. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, they are kind of public at this point, but still, it's a little surprising. Um, well, but it's, I think a, she, it's also. <laughs> Didn't she? I think she looked up unit on Wikipedia. I think that was a Wikipedia page. Oh, I missed that. OK, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I uh, I, it's 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 nice. I, I thought it was a very nicely done sequence because one of the natural questions that is going to occur to the viewer, a longtime viewer is why doesn't the doctor try to call in unit to deal with this problem? Right. And so they need in order for that not to diffuse things or <clears throat> or overly complicate the story. They need to take unit off the table. Yes. And this was a creative, fun way of taking unit off the table and dealing with that question.
0: Right. I'm glad they didn't just
1: leave it and leave it as a as a a loophole uh, or a plot hole. But by the way, it's also approximately in this part of the episode where we get the title drop. um, The doctor says, here's my New Year's resolution. I'm coming for you, Dalek. Lin, hold on
0: right right we, the, we have uh, the doctor start, she starts posturing uh yeah. a lot with when conversing with the dalek um so we we we, we kind of i mentioned this before we go back to graham and aaron and graham so remember graham is aaron's stepdad uh because he married grace who is uh, aaron's mother um and mm-hmm. graham plays the role of the good stepdad He 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 basically bucks up aaron and says there's still time to be a good dad and live a good life. I mean that's the essential message he gives them. And again, I really like that that message here that you know there's there's always time to to uh well, resolve and if we want to use the term mm-hmm. again, uh the the conflicts in our lives. And that's I thought that was really good. Um so the, the they track down Lynn uh, and the Dalek to this remote uh, farm. Metal shop on a farm. Yeah, where the mm-hmm.
1: I'm not sure why the Dalek chose this particular place, but it did. Um I, I think it was just random. It's looking for equipment and they have machinery on a farm that it can use to help rebuild its exoskeleton.
0: Yeah. Although there seemed to be a lot of machine shop metalwork sort of stuff there, but uh mm-hmm. um so I, I I like the the whole like the, the the uh what is it, the machine shop uh steampunk Dalek sort of thing. The Dalek yeah. made out of rusty metal Um, apparently the the prop was was completely um, remote controlled at this time there were there's nobody inside everything was a was remote control um worked better than chameleon
1: (laughs) yes Oh, yes. chameleon the android uh which was companion from peter davison's time that totally didn't work yeah yep um
0: so the the dalek leaves lynn and leaves her alive now the doctor says, "Well, the secretions from the Dalek plug the wounds. Otherwise, that would have killed her." Was did the Dalek leave her alive on purpose or did the Dalek not realize that it would Cuz to me a Dalek I, would just kill the the
1: host and right. move on. It's it's undefined uh the the real reason is you can't kill the woman.
0: Exactly. The, the in fact um you know again spoils to the end <clears throat> um None of the major characters dies. Lots of people die in this, but none of the uh, major characters, including Aaron, uh, die in this. Which I thought the fact that they didn't—I uh, will get to that. I'll talk. I'll talk about the when we get to that. Um, the Doctor uh, has a, a line. Me, you know, she sends them off because she was going to face the Dalek alone. Um, it me and a Dalek. It's personal. It's a very like Clint Eastwood <laughs> sort of line. Um, uh, one thing uh, interesting about the the. Oh. New-
1: I I like when the doctor gives medicine to help recover from the Dalek thing. And she says, don't take it with alcohol. You'll grow an extra head. (laughs) She said that was a weird New Year's Eve. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the Dalek at one point refers to their Dalek time unit of RELs, which, which has come up repeatedly in the past. And the doctor says, oh, I must remember... How long is a rel? <laughs>
0: yes. And
1: and the answer is based on calculations fans have done from previous on-screen countdowns in rels. It's about one point two seconds. Okay, so uh,
0: uh, it was like conquest at nine thousand three hundred seventy six rels. Um, yeah. I noticed they does the they replaced the Dalek uh, the new Dalek design, which who knows if this is permanent, but they replaced the plunger the toilet plunger arm with a claw. In this case, which, mm-hmm. which is and the they added missile launchers, which must be a feature of the recon Dalek uh, that, that they had there. Um, I, I thought it was interesting when the Dalek encountered the the platoon of soldiers, it gave them a chance to surrender.
1: Mm-hmm. Um but but I mean da- why would a Dalek well, allow them to surrender? That's uh Daleks don't always immediately kill everybody. Sometimes they just want to subjugate them. I mean they're famous for their tagline exterminate, yeah. but they don't always that's not always their first option.
0: Okay. Okay. So the Dalek is is heading is it needs to communicate. It needs to send a message back to the Dalek Empire um and does the Dalek Empire exist at this point in this timeline? Um, it's- uh,
1: they've never. I mean, presumably it does, based on what they've established here. Um, the problem is the Daleks, like the Time Lords, are time travelers, and so they can reach any time period they need right. for plot purposes. But if um. If they're sending a message, I mean, they could be sending it through time. Yeah. But but if they're sending one out into the universe today without some kind of time travel thing happening, then it would establish that some version of the Dalek Empire is around right now. Okay. Okay. Even though they could be native to the far past or the far future, they may have a colony here in our time. Okay. Okay. In fact, they've invaded our time before. So maybe they do.
0: I, with the time travelers if if they've ever existed they will always exist that's sort of a you know a necessity of that um mm-hmm. so they it heads to GCHQ which is a real thing in Britain. it's <laughs> government communications is it? headquarters I didn't I didn't yes.
1: know that I thought it was a joke you'd actually have this government communications headquarters called government communications headquarters
0: yes it's actually on Hubble Road in, Ch- in Cheltenham uh, oh mean, wow you, you could google it it's it's real okay um it looks like the Apple headquarters, uh, which mm-hmm. it does. That, that's what it looks like. And um, there's a. It's a good thing there's a dollar compatible port at GCHQ, which I, mm-hmm. th- that was very uh, interesting. It just plugs right in <laughs> to, to the port. Um, I, I have to say, uh, uh, you, so my wife Melanie was watching with me, and she was like, C- "Come on, the whole th- it would take the entire internet down. Would it take the entire?" And I'm like, "Actually, yeah, you could. I mean, uh, the internet." is interconnected. And if you take down mm-hmm. the backbone and yeah. in Britain, I'm not sure how many backbones there are in the U S is several, but
1: in Britain, cool. like you could probably take down the backbone and take down all of the internet. Yeah. We've had major here in the United States in recent years, we've had, I mean, they would bring it back up quickly, but we've yeah. had accidents and cyber attacks and things that have caused like, n- n- if not right. totally nationwide, at least large area internet outages,
0: yeah, yes. In
1: areas that are larger than, than Britain.
0: Right, exactly. So it's it's uh, plausible. I have to say, like, I mean, I, I got what you said earlier about the, the family. We'll have to have a conversation. I felt it was kind of a silly distraction. It, it, it kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess we'll have to talk to
1: one another. I mean, it's, I don't know. It just seemed. It, it was it, a silly joke. And that's, that's, yeah. it, that's all it was. I, yeah.
0: it, it takes up time in an episode with so much action is going on and they kind of like stop the action to have this silly moment uh, i don't know whatever um i i like this idea so they 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 come up with the idea of using aaron's uh microwave uh oven to melt the uh dalek uh, it and they can do that because the dalek is you, in just regular earth, rusty earth metal um mm-hmm. it's not in its special you know alien shell and yeah. so uh but they the doctor Uses the distraction of the uh, being the bigger threat. The Dalek views the Doctor as the bigger threat. Uh, by she she goes one way, everybody else goes the other way. It sees her as the bigger threat, so they can surround it and put this device on it, um, so they can nucleate it. Uh, they can mm-hmm. m- melt it down uh, with the
1: nuclear oven.
0: <laughs> the nuclear oven, like uh, they nuked it. Uh, so um, the uh, the one of the things that um, uh, I I saw online, the uh, the prop master was writing about this. The uh, melted Dalek was also a practical effect that was not just CGI. They did all that with LED lighting, um, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. So now, of course, you, you it's the classic, another classic trope of you think the big baddie is dead, but he's really not. And this time yeah. it's got Aaron Ryan's dad. Um, the doctor tricks the the Dalek, you know, goes to a supernova and puts a what was it? a. um a vacuum tunnel focused on it. Yeah,
1: I wasn't clear on that. I just they're they're in orbit around this star and the Dalek wants to get back to the Dalek Empire, but they go to this supernova and and are trying to force the Dalek out of the um, TARDIS. And it's like the end of the original movie Alien, except the alien is doing more talking this time,
0: (laughs) a lot more talking. So it's. But what I got was that the doctor created a vacuum tunnel sort of focused only on the creature on Aaron's back and Mm -hmm. and it's sucking it out, but not Aaron. I'm not sure how that worked, but then the tunnel expanded and it was started to suck Aaron out. And so what I thought was Aaron is going to be the do the dad hero thing and sacrifice his life. I mean, that's what you kind of expect is going to happen. I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, yeah, because it allows Ryan and Aaron to now have a relationship.
1: Uh, At least they're subverting some trope.
0: Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I like that trope being subverted. Um, although, uh, yeah, and then Ryan s- saves his dad. He goes and saves him. Uh, and th- all very nice. Um, there is a bit of the doctor standing astride the universe stick again, that that temptation to have the mm-hmm. I am the doctor I am the most powerful creature. Be- behold me in despair sort of thing that we've talked about before. There's a bit of that.
1: Um, I can forgive that in the case of a Dalek, I think. OK, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, they they, I th- they might earn that by the fact that the rest of the season, they didn't do yeah. it. It wasn't every episode. And so there's there's that's good. Um, and so we resolve things mm-hmm. by the end. Um,
1: I like that the doctor offers Aaron a trip. Yes. On the TARDIS. That was nice.
0: And uh, it, it seems the doctor has forgiven Aaron for uh, you know, being a bad dad. And um, uh, the well, I was gonna say the that um, the the uh, it ends with them saying, "Well, we're too doc, you know, where are we going now?" And she says, "Uh, well, something like next stop everywhere or something. everywhere, yeah, yeah." So, um, which you know, kind of cheesy, but, um, you know, it, it, it I love. In the end, so maybe to sum up a little bit, maybe we can talk about that or some a summation of this, because uh, we're going to talk about the season next week, you know, how we feel yeah. with season. But just sort of as a wrap up for the season, this episode, I'm glad <clears throat> we didn't kill off any of the major characters. We're not leaving behind any of the companions um, that we're going to get a chance to see these relationships continue and continue to develop, especially perhaps with the case of Ryan And his dad and Graham, that would be nice. Um, But but we but there were no big changes uh, as a result Mm -hmm. of this. And I I did like that way it ended.
1: Yeah, I had uh, just a few small final notes. One of the things I really liked about this episode, even though they do eventually embiggen the uh, the threat for most of the hour. And this is an hour long episode, so it's a little longer than normal for most of the hour it feels very small and personal. Yeah. We have these characters we care about with Lynn and Mitch and and they're under threat from the Dalek and that's enough. Right. And, and so I, even though they, I, you know, I could have done without the let's involve all of Earth stuff. Um, it's still for most of the episode, it felt like a smaller and more powerful story to me than these everything in the universe is on the line stories. Right. Um, So that was nice. I also really liked the sequence where um, they're in Graham's house and they materialize and there's this broken chair on the floor and, and and. Graham immediately says, you broke my chair. (laughs) And the doctor replies, well, if you're going to leave chairs around the place. (laughs) 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 And and then when when the doorbell rings, when Aaron shows up, the doctor says, is that your intruder alert or mine? (laughs) And, And and Ryan says. It's the doorbell, <laughs> and and but the funny thing is, a doorbell is kind of an intruder alert. <laughs> well, telling you there's someone
0: here who wants in. As you've seen, uh, uh, Jimmy, when we record podcasts, I have the Ring video doorbell, and yeah. when someone rings the bell, my lights flash uh, in here, yeah. and then uh, the echo <laughs> tells me that there's someone at the door. So, so it is sort of an intruder alert in my house
1: too. Yeah. <laughs> I also like previously, you know, the doctor has done and this is kind of a writing trope that we see in other places, typically signaling a kind of cluelessness where you don't know somebody's name. And so you refer to them by their relationship. Um, Like if you're on Dobie Gillis and you don't know Dobie Gillis's mom's name, you might say you know, um, Dobie's mom, Dobie's mom yeah. and and the doctor has has done that with like Yaz's mom. So in this one, when Aaron shows up, hi, Ryan's dad, you weren't at Grace's funeral.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> the cla- I mean, that is a classic. The 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 doctor, the doctor's awkward personality coming to the fore where it just she sort of says things that just come straight out of, you know, straight out of her head. And uh, I I know people like that who appreciate Mm -hmm. that about the doctor, that they identify Mm -hmm. with the doctor like that. Um, My my sister-in-law really loves this doctor (laughs) for for, for many of those reasons. Uh, One of the things I didn't mention was uh, when the doctor sent Graham to get some
1: peanut butter to grease the geofeudal locks Uh, which was geo feudal locks they've got a little feudal system operating down in the locks apparently (laughs) Um, and then they leave i want to know who are the lord locks (laughs) and who are the vassal
0: locks (laughs) well actually i could i could see an engineer coming up with some terms like that um Mm -hmm. the uh uh, i'm curious what the peanut butter would do um uh, because it'd be interesting the uh i liked when uh when Graham comes out and he's like they're gone and Aaron says, and they took the cabinet with them, like referring to the TARDIS. The TARDIS. <laughs> so that was very a very fun uh, moment as well. So there are some really nice uh, l- uh, lines in the, throughout this episode. So uh, I think that's that's all we have on this. Um, before we go, I've, I want to take a moment to to thank uh, our patrons who make it possible yeah. for us to create secrets of Doctor Who. Um, we've got so many great, uh, wonderful people who support us uh, today. I want to thank by name. Um, Rick A, Christina T, Jennifer T, Dennis G, and Jeffrey F. Um, we, we use initials because you know we don't know if people want to be identified sometimes they don't want to be identified in, uh, a, by a know, full name. By a full name. So but but you know, if your name is you know Rick, Christina, Jennifer, Dennis or Jeffrey, assume that we mean you. And uh but we through we their generous uh donations at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who. And, and all the shows we do at sqpn.com. So uh, if you'd like to to join them in their support, uh, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Uh, so that's it from us. What did you think of the New Year's special resolution? Uh, you can let us know by visiting sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page and leaving some feedback on the episode a link there or send us an email to who at sqpn.com. Remember to like the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page uh, retweet the show on Twitter, uh, leave comments, subscribe. If you're not yet subscribed, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in your favorite podcast app or on YouTube where you should hit the bell to make sure you get notifications when a new episode gets posted. And above all, please share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow the community of listeners and to reach more, lis- reach more listeners, uh, especially as we go into this period where we, we're waiting to 2020 to get more new episodes. We're going to be doing some great fun stuff uh in addition to talking about classic who and rewatching new who we we get some uh stuff we're planning for the ancillary materials the more big finish stuff if you want to get started in big finish audiobooks the 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 Doctor who audio uh presentations uh we're planning something to help you get started there so there's so, so much good stuff coming um so please stay subscribed and you know encourage others to subscribe we we really do that encourage that Uh, You can find links to all of our personal social media and websites on the show notes at sqpn.com. And like I said, we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing uh, our retrospective look at all of season 11. What do we think of the totality of this season of the new companions of the new doctor of the new showrunner? Did Chris Chibnall take any of our advice that we offered before the season began? How do we think he did? So uh, until then, jimmy aiken thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of dr who
1: thank you dom and this is my new year's resolution i'm coming for you dalek lynn hang on
0: <laughs> and once again i'm dom bettinelli thank you for listening to the secrets of dr who on star quest and remember i have tech skills with a Z. right this is gonna be fun